0: Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at Life Point, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, I think with all that's going on in our world right now, I think the best way we can start our time together is with prayer. And so uh, would you just join me in praying right now? God, we are so thankful that as we sang this morning, we welcome you into this place. And as we look around the world, we are reminded of all the brokenness. God, I just pray right now for all those who are vulnerable, for all those who feel unprotected, that they would sense your presence. God, I pray for peace. I pray that you would thwart evil as only you can. And that somehow, some way, your gospel would go forward and more people would know the hope that is in Jesus. And I pray these things in His name. Amen. Well, I'm excited that we are finishing this series together today, but first, I want to give an update to the church. And if you've been visiting over the last few weeks, or maybe the last few months, I know there's a lot of you who are in that category, you just need to know that every couple of months, I've been updating the church about a unique opportunity that God is giving our church. And so you say, well, what in the world are we talking about? Let me just tell you, what we're doing is... God is giving us an opportunity to establish a second campus at Life Point Church. You say, now, why is it that we would even want to do that? The reason simply is we want to reach more people for Jesus. We are convinced He is the only hope for Collin County, and we want more and more people to know about him. In fact, what we know is hundreds of thousands of people still don't know Jesus right here in our county, and we want to make a difference in more people knowing about Jesus. So what's the backstory? Because some of you may not know the backstory. Early last year, we began to pray as a board and as a team that God would give us a way of reaching more people for Jesus and sharing the hope with more people. And what happened is a true God story where a charter school approached us, we hadn't put our property on the market in any way, completely unsolicited, they approached us and offered to not only buy our property at full appraisal value, but also to then lease it back to us for weekend ministries long term so that we could continue to be a church right here in Plano. In fact, I was having a conversation with PG, who's our founding pastor, for the last 32 years. Just last week, we were having a good burger at Country Burger, where we like to go. And I was saying, hey, PG, as you look over the last year, how would you summarize all of this in one sentence? And here's what PG said, and I love it. He said, I believe that God is giving us an opportunity to maximize our resources to reach more people for Jesus Christ in the days that we have left, amen? Amen and this is an incredible opportunity so I just wanted to give you a status update. Where are we right now? Right now we are in the second round of contract conversations or negotiations and the really good news is all the big rocks have been agreed upon and we're ready to go forward. However there are still some legal nuances that our attorneys and their attorneys are working through. The good news is attorneys are involved so they're going to be thorough and thoroughly slow, right? And so we anticipate we will actually finish the, kind of cross the finish line later this summer. And here's the big question. Where will the second campus be located? And the truth is, just like 32 years ago, when PG and a handful of people came to this location for this reason, they believed they wanted to go where young families were and were an area that was really growing. We want to do the exact same thing again. So the region that we're looking at is that 380 area, whether it's McKinney, Prosper, Frisco, we're gonna wait and see and so we're engaging with a commercial broker who'll help us sort of identify some locations and once that happens then we'll better know whether or not it makes more sense to renovate an existing facility or to buy a piece of property and build a new building. So what's the timeline? That's the great question. What does the timeline look like? Well first of all the contract we expect to be executed by late summer and then we want to begin to really focus on the next location over the next year, identifying with the help of a broker where the location would be. By the way, this is what we're really praying about. And then finally, the charter school will begin hosting classes on site here in the fall of next year, 2023. Now, in the meantime, we continue all ministries, and long-term, all of our Sunday morning ministries will continue. We will become one church, but with two locations so with all of that said if you say well what can I be doing in the meantime pray 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 that God will do what only God can do and that something will just feel like it dropped in our lap and it'll be another God's story along this journey where he provides exactly where he wants this second location to be in fact I didn't even plan to do this but I think it'd be good for us just to stop and pray right now because I believe we serve a God who loves to perform miracles, to remind us that he's in charge and not us, and he's the one that initiated this process to begin with, and I believe there's another miracle on the other side when it comes to that second location. So would you do this? Would you just join me in prayer, and let's just pray that God would do something special in the coming season. God, we just, we want more people to know Jesus, and we know as much as we want that, you want that even more. Your heart is about reconciliation and redeeming people and in eternity that is all that will matter so God because we want this to be about you and for you God we thank you for leading us to this place but now as you lead us forward to a new location God would you reveal that in ways that make no sense to us and we will look back and go only God God would you just provide something that is supernatural where you want it at a price that you want so that we can glorify you. And here's what we commit, Father. We will do it for your glory. And we will do it so other people can know your son, Jesus. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Well, today we conclude our series, Advance. And if you've missed that, let me just catch you up. Basically, what we're saying is we're studying the life of Jesus through the book of John, and we're seeing how he took a handful of disciples, and they advanced their faith. And so in week one, what we saw was there was a group of people who didn't yet believe. We're talking like John and Andrew, and then it was Philip and Peter and Nathaniel. They didn't believe at all, and Jesus just kept saying, well, come and see, come and see. And what we realized, John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In other words, week one in John 1, we saw believe, and that is believing begins with beholding. And that was week one, and what we saw was at the core of Christianity, it's not a system to believe. It is a savior to behold. And then in week two, Pastor Isaac led us last week into belong. If you continue to advance, we went up to John chapter 6, and we realized that if, if you're going to be strong, you've got to belong to another group of believers so that when the difficulties of life inevitably come, you will be able to hold on to your faith. And we become strong when we're doing life together. That's why we love to see people in community groups. But here's the bottom line. Jesus looks at those two things and he says those are great for disciples if you want to believe and you want to belong, and a lot of us are in those two places, but he says it's not adequate. In fact, what would happen is if Jesus left us here, a lot of us would be going, is this all there is to life? Is there more to my faith, to this Christian life? Yeah, I believe, I, maybe I even go to church, and maybe I belong. I know some other Christians, were kind of doing life together. But sometimes I wonder, is this all there is? And maybe you were raised in a home where you sensed that, or maybe you're actually at that place where you sense that. And that's why Jesus takes the disciples to this third and final step that we're going to look at today, and that is become. Become. And I'm just going to give you a warning right out of the gate. This is the hardest step of all. And if we're going to advance our faith, it is not enough to believe and belong alone. We must become. How do we become like Jesus? Well, now that's difficult. But Jesus doesn't want us to not know how to do it. And then we can struggle with whether or not we will do it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to look with me at John chapter 12. And let me give you context. Jesus is nearing his death on the cross. He's within three or four days of being arrested and crucified there at Calvary. And just before that crucifixion, he takes his disciples, and some people come up to he and his disciples, and they begin to ask, hey, we wanna become like you. We wanna follow you. We wanna advance in our faith. And Jesus says, okay, it's time to tell you the ultimate step you must take if you're serious about following me, man, this is a hard step. And this is the step we're going to look at today. So if you're new, and maybe you're not even sure about Christianity, you're not even sure about the Bible, and you're here today, you're going to hear this step, and you're going to go, man, is that hard? Well, just know for all of us who've been trying to follow Jesus for a long time, we find it really hard too. And some days we do it, and a lot of days we don't. But Jesus says this is the ultimate way to advance Faith. John chapter 12 if you got your Bibles look with me we're going to begin at verse 23 as this group of people approach Jesus and they ask how do we advance our faith Jesus responds in verse 23 and look what he says Jesus replied and he said the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified the hour has come now this is an important phrase because in John chapter 4 and John chapter 7 Jesus kept saying the hour has not yet come And now he's saying it's game time. I am about to do what I came to do to die on the cross and rise from the dead and I will be glorified and God will be glorified in the redemption of all mankind like this is a really big deal and just before he goes to the cross he says the hour has come and so what I'm about to say is really important I want to summarize it all for all those people back you know there in in the first century who are following Jesus and he says I know you're wondering if there's more and I'm about to leave you and I want to tell you the big step And here we are in 2022, and you might be thinking sometimes, is there more to what I'm experiencing? Should I be experiencing when it comes to my relationship with Jesus? And he's about to reveal that big critical step. And here it is in verse 24. He says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies it produces many seeds. Now, that last sentence with, but if it dies, would you just read that out loud with me? Say that with me. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, that's a word picture because hopefully you're not expecting us to have like a guillotine and like an execution thing going on out in the lobby after. like This is not what we're talking about. It's a word picture, right? He's talking about a seed. If you took a seed, it could live its entire existence as a seed. But he's saying when the seed is, it dies and it is buried, then it produces fruit. And he's saying he is about to die. He will be buried, but then he will rise again and produce fruit that we enjoy for all of eternity. But then he's going to say, and so are you a seed. He's talking to the disciples, which means he's talking to us. And he is saying, we are a seed. And he's inviting them to take a step that he is about to take. In other words, the great step of faith, here it is, is that when we die to self, our life is multiplied. And you think, die to self? Like, What does that really mean, to die to self? What does that mean in 2022, to die to self? And let's be honest. In my heart, there is a whole bundle of desires. There are a lot of things that I want in this life. And I think our culture, we sort of cultivate those desires and wants in each other like I've got to be honest as a parent I'm always asking my kids what do you want What do you want to do when you grow up? Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to be a lawyer? Where do you want to go eat? What show do you want to watch? What music do you want to listen to? What movie do we want to go and see? We get older and we think, what kind of house do I want to buy? What kind of car do I want to drive? What kind of clothes do I want to wear? What kind of person do you want to marry? Like we're always trying to figure out what we want because what we want really, really matters. And what you want really, really matters to you. And all of a sudden Jesus comes along and he says this, if you want to die to yourself, then what God wants will be greater than what you want. I don't know about you, but I stop and I go, wow, that's a bit of a game changer, isn't it? This is when Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done in just a couple of days before he goes to the cross when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is where he's beginning to say, death is how you find life. Now, you would think that if he says something so radical, that he might sort of walk that back, but instead Jesus doubles down and he takes it a step further and he says, not only is that the only way you'll find life, it's not just the right option to die to yourself, it's the only option. Look what he says in the first part of verse 25. He says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. I don't know about you, will lose it. Because that's not at all how we think here in America, is it? Well, Here's what we think. When we think of what we want and what we desire and what we will and what we're after, we think, we think things like, well, you just got to follow your dream. You got to follow your heart. Listen to your heart. And whatever you do, love yourself, right? And Jesus comes along and says, nope, that's all a lie. You're going to lose all of that. Instead, what you're after and is there more is there more meaning in my life what you're after jesus says is when you die to yourself you find what you're after i don't know about you that is radical and jesus didn't just let up he said this in every one of the gospels this is pointed out multiple times he keeps coming to this Over and over again. And in our culture, we keep saying, and I've got to tell you, I'm guilty of this too. Follow your dream, listen to your heart, love yourself first. And Jesus goes, that sounds good, but what you're after you find here when you die to yourself. You see, we all want to become like Jesus. I believe that's most of our desires genuinely. But if we are to do that, if we really want to do that, well, becoming like Jesus will require a shift from what I want to what God wants. And that's a radically different way to live. Now you may not be there yet, or you may be there and you want it and you haven't yet achieved it, like many of us. But whether you believe this yet or not, I want you to know this is what Jesus is teaching over and over again. And so I want to invite you to say this out loud because I believe it's so profoundly paradigm-shifting in our life when it comes to our faith. Would you just say this out loud with me? Becoming like Jesus requires a shift from what I want to what God wants. Now, here's the way I think, and this is what Jesus is doing, because he's completely flipping the entire script upside down. I think if I live for me, I win, and if I die to me, I lose, right? And Jesus says, well, no, it's actually the other way around. If you live for you, you lose. If you die to you, you win. He's flipped the script upside down, and you got to think, This is just so like not at all the way any of the music I'm listening to or the shows I'm watching or the podcasts I'm listening to. The world that I live in doesn't talk like this at all. How do you lose if you live for yourself? Think about it. If you live for yourself, it means that you get the career that you want, you make the money that you want, maybe you get the house that you want, maybe you get the car that you want, maybe you get the vacations you want, the spouse that you want. How is that losing to do what you want all the time, to live your life for you? How in the world can Jesus say that to do that is to lose? Well, I think it's because Jesus is In the shadow of the cross and he's looking back on his life and he knows what it's like to come to the end of your life and look back and see what really matters we're always looking forward from where we are to the future but if we look a little further can i tell you your future you're going to die you already know that you nervously chuckled, but you knew that in fact i recently looked at collin county particularly and the most recent Um, data reveals that there's a 100% mortality rate. (laughs) It turns out one in one are dying here. And here's what's going to happen. When you die, they're going to have a funeral. And then the people who love and care about you are going to come back to the church and eat potato salad. And then the people who love and care about you are going to go to your house, and they're going to go through your things, And they're going to laugh and they're going to cry because they're going to have great memories of you. And then the people you care about, maybe your kids or friends, over the next few days, they're going to take your stuff and they're going to give away or sell more than 90% of it. And then not long after you die, somebody else will be living in your house, somebody else will be driving your car, somebody else will be spending your money, somebody else will be playing with your golf clubs, and on and on we go. You see it turns out what Jesus is reminding the disciples is what you and I know even though we don't like to think about it often but the truth is everything you own is really on loan. Jesus is reminding them what he wants us to know is you don't really have a house. God has a house and he's loaned it to you for a season. You don't really have a car. He's loaned it to you for a season. You don't really have an income. God has given you an income, and he's loaned it to you for a season. And what he's really getting at, and this feels a little more pointed, you don't really have a life. He's loaned it to you for a season and a purpose. And this is what I want you to hear. God has granted you one opportunity to leverage this life for his purpose of sharing the hope of Jesus with others and the disciples are thinking what you're thinking Whew, this is hard i don't know if i want to advance that far in my faith and this is the invitation jesus was giving them to take that next step to a life that really matters that really has purpose now here's the really good news if you do that It is a massive benefit to others, and it is where you and I find life. Because in the next part of that same verse, verse 25, where he originally said anyone who loves their life will lose it, and then he says, while anyone who hates their life, this temporary life, and they don't make it all that there is, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. In other words, when you die to self and you let that seed get planted, not only do you, is eternity better, but the right now is better. You make this world better. And you know people who've done that, who've just decided, you know what, I'm not going to make this all about me. I, I think of in, in his great book, um, Forgotten God, Francis Chan writes about this couple, Domingo and Irene Garcia. Domingo is a, is a mechanic and Irene is a hairdresser. And over the years, they have decided that God's wants are more important than their wants. And God has given them a heart for a particular way to live their life. Over their life, they have been foster parents to 32 kids. They've adopted 16 children. Many of these children have gone on to adopt and foster other children. Right now, they're in their late 50s, and they have 11 children living in their home. Domingo and Irene are in their late 50s when most of us would be focused on how to be comfortable and how to prepare for a better retirement. Instead they're consumed by kids who need parents. They have died to themselves and they're making the world a better place and Jesus says this is what we have been called to do. To advance the faith is to die to ourselves. Now you got to be thinking now All right, Jesus, you're going to the cross, but are we supposed to go to a cross? Is there some kind of death that we're supposed to endure, or is this just a Jesus thing? And this is what Jesus says to his disciples. Look at verse 26. He says, whoever serves me must, say these next two words with me, follow me. He didn't say follow me to the restaurant. He didn't say follow me to the career advisor. He said, I'm headed to the cross. You want to advance in the ultimate step of faith? Follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. And my Father will honor the one who serves me. Man, this has been quite a journey. When you look back to John 1, whenever we had all these people who didn't believe, and we talk about they were kind of up and down, and Jesus kept saying, Well, just come and see, come and see. And now here we are, where Jesus is saying, Follow me to the cross. Like, have you ever thought about how it is that Jesus advances people's faith? to the place where they would be willing to be a martyr, when we look back at what Jesus has done in this journey, it's quite remarkable because back in John 1, he simply said, come and see. Come and see. I know you don't believe yet, but just come and see. And then we get to John chapter 6, and he says, well, come and belong. This is how you'll endure whenever life gets hard. And now in John chapter 12, he is saying, come and die. Jesus started off come and see, and now he's all the way up to come and die. Now, I don't know how many of them would have gotten on the train had that been step one. And can I tell you, as a church here at LifePoint, we want our weekend services to be a place where you can come and see, a place where it's easy to understand, where it's easy to participate. But we will not and we do not ever want to leave people there. Jesus didn't, and we don't want to either. We want to continue to see people take steps forward in their faith to come and belong, as we talked about last week. But ultimately, what we all want is to become more like Christ. And that means, as a church, as a people, we have to continue to wrestle with and embrace the reality that we have been called to come and die. Now, what does that look like practically for you and I here in 2022? It might mean that for you at work this week, you take your lunch hour and you're going to walk down to a local um, homeless shelter and you're going to serve there for an hour It might mean in your conversation this week as you're talking to that neighbor that you're going to push beyond the comfort zone and you're going to bring up the name of Jesus as you talk to them. It might mean that when you walk past that empty bedroom and you see in there, you begin to ask God, do you want me to embrace an orphan in some other country who needs to sleep in this bed? It might mean that you begin to love a spouse sacrificially even though you feel like they cheated you of the marriage that you desperately wanted. What does it mean for you to come and die? To choose and shift from what you want to what God wants. See, becoming like Jesus requires that shift from what I want to what God wants. Here's the really encouraging news, at least it is to me. This wasn't easy for Jesus either. In fact, in verse 27, look what Jesus says. Now, knowing he's approaching the cross, he says, now my soul is troubled. This is hard for God the Son. But what shall I say, he asked. Father, save me from this hour? No. Look what he says. In fact, would you say this out loud with me? Say this with me. Starting with it, say it with me. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Jesus never thought that he was there for any other purpose. He knew that he was designed to come and die. And this was the moment that he had been created for. I don't know about you, but it turns out we've been designed to come and die too. And there are moments for which we have been created that will matter in eternity when we lay down what we want and we embrace what he wants and Jesus is inviting his disciples to follow him. Now, here's the reality of this, though. You can't just do this today and be done. This is the process. I love the one theologian who said, the problem with the living sacrifice is we keep laying down on the altar, but we keep crawling off of the altar, right? The truth is, if you're gonna come and die, if you're really gonna wanna become like Jesus, Becoming like Jesus isn't a destination, it is a lifelong process. It's a daily, Paul says, I die daily, right? This is something I can begin today, but I won't complete today. But if we want to advance in our faith, this is where the laying down begins. I love what G.K. Chesterton said when it comes to our faith in Christianity. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult. And not tried especially when it comes to becoming or to coming and dying this is where people get off the train and decide that's too hard that's too difficult and I'm with you if you feel that way and yet Jesus promises us that's where life is found that's where what we're after is found that's where meaning is produced that's where the fruit is on the other side of the seed being planted What about the disciples? Whatever happened to them? You know, they were a bunch of knuckleheads like us. I mean, they weren't like super spiritual in any way. They didn't even believe at first. And then they began to belong, and all of a sudden, it strengthened their faith. And then Jesus said, come and die. You know, from there, it was that Peter... Denied Christ three times. It's a daily process. Some days he did it pretty well and sometimes he didn't. It's what Thomas doubted. It was after this conversation. So sometimes they did it and sometimes they didn't. But they kept at it and they kept beginning to shift from I want to God wants, I, from I want to what God wants. And after a while, they saw Jesus himself crucified and they saw Jesus rise from the dead and something switched in their life and they began to say, This is the very hour for which I have been created. Even though we may be mistreated, I will speak the name of Jesus, and they began to do exactly that, so much so that they began to take the gospel to places the gospel had never been, to nations that had never heard, and eventually many of them not only were mistreated, but many of them became martyrs, and their very blood became the seed by which the gospel grew that impacted generations. And I believe we are here today because of the heroes of that first century who decided to Go and come and see. And then they came and belong, and then they came and died. And because they did, you and I sit here today enjoying a relationship with our wonderful Savior. And here's what I believe. There are generations after us who are waiting and see if we too will come and die so there can be fruit generations from now, from our faith today. This is our moment where we get to say, God, I want to be all that you want me to be to follow all that you want me to do. And if that means laying down my wants and will and desires so that yours can be accomplished, Lord, use me. Use me in this moment. I believe they were heroes in that first century. I love studying the Bible with all the heroes. In fact, next Sunday, we're beginning a brand new series called Heroes. We're actually going to study a character each week from the Old Testament. And what we're going to discover is God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And guess what? He wants to use you to do something supernatural too. And so each week we're going to begin to study a character leading up to Easter next week. At the end of the day though, he will use us when we embrace this principle that becoming like Jesus requires a shift from what I want to what God wants. So let me share three ways that we can begin to do this right away. Three practical steps that you and I can take to really begin to take the step of becoming like Christ to really come and die. Number one, we might start each day this week asking God just to show you what he wants. God, what is it that you want? Because I know what I want, and this culture that I live in is going to tell me to cultivate what I want. Could we begin to turn the noise up of what it is that God wants? Begin to pray each day, God, would you show me what you want? And then to ask God to show you to see someone with whom he wants you to share Jesus. That's always a step of faith, to say his name. And then finally, number three, is to prioritize in your calendar, in your energy, and in your finances. Prioritize for what God wants. Because I don't know about you, but I find it very easy in all three areas to prioritize what I want but to begin to make it very practical and to prioritize, God, what do you want? Lead me, show me what that is, and then I'll have the courage to take that step. Well, as we wrap this message up, it's a heavy topic, isn't it? Here's the really good news. Our memory verse reminds us that death is hard, but in death we find life. And so I want us to say our memory verse one more time together. In fact, I want to ask you if you'll stand with me right now and let's say the verse out loud together and let's once again discover why did John write all of this? What was this about? What was he hoping we would see? What was it that Jesus wanted us to see? Through his book as we've gone through it together, say it with me. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name, John 20, 31. Now, you sounded pretty good, but I know you can sound even better. So we're going to leave it up, and let's try it again. Say it with me now. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, John 20, 31. God, there are so many things in this life that I want. And I'm already old enough to know that they never satisfy So God, as we have a room full of people who want to become like you, help us to be courageous enough to follow you to the cross, to die to self, and to make what you want greater than what we want. God use us this is our hour use us for your glory I pray in Jesus name Amen remain standing if you would before we before we dismiss we're going to sing one more song in fact can I be honest this is the moment in the service I've been anticipating all day because it's this next song in fact this next song I believe is just uniquely powerful Our Pentecostal friends, I believe, would even say it's got a little something on it. But you and I walked in today, and what we know is we walked in because we were very aware of the brokenness around our world. We were very aware of the division in our world, in our country, but also globally. We're very aware of the hatred. We're very aware of the darkness. But as we see again today in Scripture, we serve a God in Jesus who is a place of freedom he's a place of healing he's a place of love and he is a person of hope and though we see darkness around us our Jesus is still very much alive you see because of the power found in the name of Jesus it's not always politically correct to use his name That's not unique to the 21st century. That's been the case from the very beginning. You remember Peter and John, the original apostles of Jesus, who after Jesus rose from the dead, they were called before the governing authority, the Sanhedrin, and they were told, Peter and John, whatever you do from here, don't ever speak the name of Jesus again. You think Peter and John could do that? That's where they have the famous response in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and they said, oh, Sanhedrin... Salvation is found in no other name. There is no other name under heaven by which mankind can be saved. We will leave here today, but we will speak of His name because we've seen too much. We can't not speak His name. See, as we conclude this series today, it's all about Jesus and us becoming more like Him and sharing Him with Collin County. My prayer is, as we sing this song, we wouldn't just speak the name of Jesus in here. We would speak it in our neighborhood, at our workplaces, in our schools, and in our conversations. I love that bridge of the song. It says, to shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus from the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Oh, my prayer is that we would be united in our soul and in our spirit. And today, together, let's sing the name of Jesus. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.